Hello everyone, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. Uh, so this episode, I'm going to be talking about revisiting one of my competition guns. Uh, I got a couple of guns that I primarily use in competition. And when I say revisiting, it's one I used to use and I'm kind of going back to, but made a couple of changes. And I'll tell you all a little bit about that uh, coming up real soon. Got some voicemails from some listeners. Got a couple of old voicemails and a new one. Uh, one of the voicemails I talked about three or four months ago, but I've had some additional thoughts. So I'm going to replay it for you and then give you some more comments on it. And then I got a, a new voicemail and a couple of other things for you to listen to. So good show uh, I got for you here. Remember, this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions, makers of fine holsters, concealmentsolutions.com. If you need a new holster, check out concealmentsolutions.com. I have used their products for years. They've been sponsoring this show for a while. They are the only paid sponsor that I have. This show is 90% listener funded and uh, I, I'll be talking a little bit more about that coming up a little bit later as well. But check them out concealmentsolutions.com concealmentsolutions.com They have some real good stuff. So jumping right into everything. Let's take the first voicemail that came uh, about a week ago and then I'll cover a couple of older ones. If you want to call into the show, 210-646-1727 is the number. Yeah, I know voicemail's kind of old-fashioned. I know a lot of the younger people today, all they want to do is text or use social media or whatever, but it's uh, can't record those too easily. However, if you don't want to use voicemail and make a phone call, but you want to record some audio using your smartphone or your computer or whatever, Go ahead and send me audio messages. Handgunworld at gmail.com. Handgunworld at gmail.com is the best way to send them to me. If you want to send me videos, that's fine too. I'll play the sound audio on this show and I'll talk about it. I'll put the video on my YouTube channel and add some more video to that as a response. So check out Handgun World on YouTube as well check that out i might i might use a different video platform uh a little bit later maybe in a couple of months i might i'm working on something because we all know what youtube is doing to gun channels and things like that and they're just overall mostly anti-gun but they're the only thing i've got set up right now so once again 210-646-1727 or email an audio file to me you can ask a question make a comment i'll put you on the show whatever you want to do handgunworld at gmail.com all right let's go to the first voicemail hey bob it is dave in utah um i think i'm a little bit behind on your podcast and listening to the episode you did with john and dean you start talking about politics and uh it's interesting to hear you you're talking with john and you're talking about how it seems so so weird that there were so many weird coincidences about the way 2020 played out and how it all seemed to kind of favor the Democrats and Biden. And then, of course, this Time Magazine article comes out, and it turns out it was. It, it, it all was coordinated. All the stuff that seemed like it was coordinated, it, it was. I mean, they had they had poll workers that were in on this uh, cabal. They had um, 
you know, people who were working and lobbying to change laws. They had um, activists who kind of co-opted the George Floyd, you know, racial justice movement. They had literally Twitter and Facebook coordinating to make sure the right information got out. So, it's, yeah, it, it was. It was all coordinated, and you're not crazy for thinking that it was a conspiracy. Um, as far as uh, as far as the calling your representative, you know the NRA is not able to to be effective right now. So we have to do it ourselves. Um, I suggest keep your message very simple to your representative. Say, hey, we'll we'll keep it simple. Uh, no new gun control, like at all. You know, do not vote for any new restrictive gun control measures. If you want to vote for something with guns, let's do national concealed carry reciprocity. But anything other than that. No, the answer is no. You know, not, hey, maybe can we just do this one little, no, the answer is no. So that's what you should tell your representative. Anyway, keep it up. I think we just need to just keep our, keep up our efforts. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Okay, Dave is absolutely right. I, this is about the only way that we're going to make some progress is being aggressive individually and politely. I'm going to say being aggressive politely, politely and peacefully, and uh, talking to our local representatives. You know, the old saying that all politics is local. Well, that's true. Uh, it's very true. So your local state representatives and state senators, as well as your representative for the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, contact them, your mayors, your county judges, your sheriff's departments, whoever it is that uh, make the local gun laws in your area or your state governments and your state legislatures. Uh, we are still making a pretty good amount of progress in the uh, state legislatures. So I, I'm pleased by that. We need to save the 10th, folks. We need to save the 10th. When I say save the 10th, what I'm talking about is the 10th Amendment of the United States Constitution, which basically says that whatever is not in the uh, decision-making power by the federal government, it's reserved to the states. Uh, and we do have 50 autonomous states. We're supposed to have that anyway here in the United States of America. For all my international listeners, uh, I want to let you know that's the way that we're supposed to be working here. 50 autonomous states that are under the umbrella of a federal government that's not supposed to be as far-reaching as it is today. Uh, so the more we can strengthen the state governments, I believe, you know, I believe that's the way that we're going to be able to fight back. People that are freedom-loving people like you and me and people listening to this podcast, we're going to have to do it, I think, at the state level. We're already seeing in America, we're seeing a big migration to certain states that are more free than others. Texas and Florida being the primary two. And I am in Texas. I'm in the great state of Texas. Gun-friendly state of Texas. San Antonio. I'm in South Texas. But in Florida. And Florida. I mean, that's, you know, Florida is a, is a state that is getting a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I saw something uh, recently that the, that the federal government, President Biden, want to restrict traveling to Florida. And it wasn't only because of coronavirus. It was because they are losing too many people to that state. They're losing too many residents 
uh, and I think we know where most of them are coming from, the Northeast United States. That's where most people are going from to Florida. And I think that's, you know what, when our federal, gov federal government's trying to restrict travel within our own country, domestic travel, uh, folks, I, that's where I draw the line. Come on, this is ridiculous. We, we can't let, let this stand. So strengthen the 10th. Strengthen the Tenth Amendment, states' rights, like Dave said in this in this voicemail, your senators, your local representatives, state on the state level are very very important. We need to have conversations with them. When I interviewed John Adina about a month ago, we talked about the same thing, and uh, we need to start doing that. And I'm going to make a stronger commitment to doing that as well. Dave, thank you very much for the voicemail. All right, let's get to the next one. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Uh, my name is Andy. I'm 23 years old, and I'm pretty new to carrying a gun concealed. I really appreciate your podcast. Um, it's helped me a lot, you know, starting out this journey, carrying concealed. My question is, um, do you have any advice on carrying a gun while tucking in your shirt? I... I like carrying um, a compact size gun. Right now, I, uh, I, I'm carrying a CCP-10C. I, I love it. I love the way it shoots. Um, I understand it might be easier carrying a smaller gun if I have to tuck in my shirt. Um, so that's something I'm definitely going to have to look into. I've tried a bunch of different holsters, and um, I just, and I watch YouTube videos, and it just seems pretty difficult for me to, you know, really get that concealed look while tucking in a shirt. I was wondering if uh, you you dealt with this type of thing and you could uh, give me your advice on what you think is the best way to go this route. Um, I've tried holsters. Uh, I'm not a big fan of belly band holsters. I've tried that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I was just wanted to see. I think it'd be a great topic um, uh, because, you know, with work and stuff, I, a lot of the time, tuck my shirt, and I find it's just not very, uh, it's not, I can't really do it too much with the way things are going right now, so thanks, I hope you take my call, and I wish you the best, and I hope you're staying safe during these very strange and weird times, thanks, bye-bye. Hello, Andy. Thanks for calling in. Great question. This is one that uh, one of the older voicemails that I wanted to talk about again. There's another one coming up. But Andy, I got to say, I don't have a whole lot of experience carrying uh, with a tucked in shirt. There are a lot of tuckable holsters. Um, a lot of the hybrid holsters are tuckable. There's also several others that have a, a good clip. The, uh, the right kind of clip that's built the right way to be able to uh, tuck them in and tuck your shirt in. The clips are going to be showing. Um, and, of course, you might want to use a smaller gun if you're going to be doing that. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that about, about tucking in is that it's going to be much more difficult to access your gun. If I have to wear a tucked-in shirt, I usually pocket carry. I've got... Uh, three different pocket guns and I know it's a compromise I know it's a step down in gun but I would pocket carry uh, that I mean that, anyway that's what I do I, ha I have a couple of pocket 380s 
and uh, I like to use those for pocket carry. I have good DeSantis uh, pocket holsters. One of them's a DeSantis, uh, I believe it's called a, a Superfly pocket holster or something like that, and they work very well. And uh, But anyway, as far as if you're going to holster carry with a tucked-in shirt, just get on the Internet and Google tuckable holsters. My sponsor, Concealment Solutions, has some tuckable holsters. Uh, a lot of people appendix carry when they're carrying with a tucked-in shirt. Uh, the ASP at Concealment Solutions uh, has, has the proper clip on it. That's just one example. Go over to ConcealmentSolutions.com and check them out. Uh, just Google um, Concealment Solutions tuckable holsters. Check that out. But anyway, that's my advice on that. I don't have a whole lot of experience with it, Andy. This is a great topic. So if anybody listening right now regularly carries with a tucked-in shirt and you've got some more advice on what you do, what equipment you do, or what, what equipment you use, where do you carry, how do you carry it, things like that, please call in 210-646-1727. Uh, or send me that audio file that I talked about. And uh, let's see if we can get some more information for Andy. Okay, next voicemail is another older one, but one that I want to talk about again. Hello, Bob. This is Alan Hingley calling from Raleigh, North Carolina. It's been a long time listening to your podcast and really appreciate your practical approach uh, to self-defense and uh, preparedness training. One topic I thought uh, you've spoken you've spoken a lot about the different handguns that you carry for self-defense. Um, one thing I thought might be an interesting topic would be uh, the spare magazine um, and the different ways you carry. I mean, you recommended a spare magazine, so. What are the, uh, where do you carry a spare magazine? Uh, what type of magazine holders? Um, is it, is it a double? Is it a single? Is it vertical? Is it horizontal? Uh, pocket carry? Uh, Kydex? Um, be interested to hear your thoughts on, um, if you're going to carry a gun and you recommend carrying a spare mag. What uh, what's your approach to carrying that that one or two spare magazines, and uh, what your recommendations are? Um, I think that would be an interesting topic that uh, a lot of people would be interested to to hear about, and look forward to hearing your thoughts. Thanks again for your podcast, and appreciate uh, you considering this topic. Hope to hear it on the podcast sometime. Thank you, Alan. Again, this is a topic that I have talked about before. I have addressed Alan's uh, voicemail before, but I want to talk about it again. Carrying a spare magazine. So, again, thanks for calling this in. Always carry a spare magazine, in my opinion. Uh, why not? If you're going to go through the trouble of carrying a gun, carry a spare magazine. I typically use a mag holder. Uh, I like mag holders a lot, magholder.com. They uh, allow me to horizontally carry an, a spare magazine. I usually carry it on my left side in front of my hip, um, so just slightly the opposite of appendix carry. 
and uh, but it's but it's in front of my hip. I, I've seen a lot of people that carry them on their side, on their opposite side. Uh, I've seen them carried inside the waistband. I've seen them carried outside the waistband. I don't like to put a lot inside the waistband. Um, I. 90% of the time I carry outside the waistband. That's how I carry my gun. That's also how I carry a spare magazine. And again, the horizontal carry method just makes it so much more concealable. It's just, it's a, for me, it's a world of difference in the concealability of it and the comfort, actually. So mag holders are great. Any type of, of horizontal magazine carry, I have also carried spare magazines in pockets there's good pocket holsters that are made for your spare magazine again DeSantis I have a couple of DeSantis um, and I'm trying to remember the name of those uh, DeSantis pocket holsters that I use I'll look it up and I'll put it in the show notes by the way in the show notes you should check them all because all the links and everything to everything I talk about are in the notes for this episode as I do with uh, every episode uh, that I publish. And again, I'm a practical guy. Most of you know I'm, I'm just kind of like your next door neighbor. You know, I'm a practical guy. And I'm not, I'm not ex-law enforcement, ex-military. I'm not a, a fancy uh, gunsmith or anything like that. I don't have a job where I can open carry. Or I don't have a job where I carry a gun professionally. I'm just an ordinary everyday citizen. So I am concealing like most of you. So the previous caller that has to conceal with a tucked in shirt, I get that. Uh, that's me sometimes. And uh, Alan's voicemail about carrying a spare magazine. That's me all the time. Uh, just make sure that when you carry a spare magazine that you, uh, where, that you carry it in a position where you can, you can get to it and access it easily. Now, I want to talk about why carry a spare magazine man I've, I, what I'm about to say right now is a bit controversial okay but I don't back away from controversy or conflict okay I firmly believe that the biggest reason to carry a spare magazine is in case you have to put a new magazine in your gun because of a malfunction for semi-automatic handguns now of course if you carry a revolver uh, pocket carry then this is not going to be a really huge deal uh, but I'll get to that I'll get to revolver pocket carry in a minute but for semi-automatic carry your magazines one of the weakest points of your gun it's sometimes oftentimes the source of malfunctions so you may have to get rid of the magazine that's in your gun at the time and put in a new one. A lot of people think that carrying an extra magazine is so that they can have more ammo for the gunfight. That is true. It does give you more ammo for the gunfight if you're in one, and we hope we never have to get in a gunfight. I hope I never have to use it. I hope that bad day never comes, but I'll be ready if it does come. I don't go looking for trouble, but sometimes trouble finds me. But the likelihood of you needing to reload your gun in a gunfight is extremely slim, folks. It's a fraction of the likelihood that you'll have to clear a malfunction. That's going to be much more uh, 
more likely to happen that you have to clear a malfunction. So carry the spare magazine for both reasons. But don't get a false sense of security thinking that you've got 20 or 30 rounds of ammo with you because chances are the the ammunition you have in your gun that's most likely all you're going to have to fight with so let's talk about pocket carry of revolvers the most commonly pocket carrying pocket carried revolvers are the small j frames with five rounds uh, and you might want to have a speed loader or whatever it is that you use um, to reload your revolver but unless you practice it a lot reloading a revolver is typically going to be slower than reloading a uh, semi-automatic pistol so be able to win the fight with your pocket revolver whatever you have some of them have five round capacity some have six round capacity maybe even seven uh, depending on how big of a revolver that you can carry in your pocket or maybe you're carrying a revolver with a tucked in shirt uh, revolvers are also good uh, to carry with a tucked in shirt they're, they're great also for pocket carry because of their shape uh, they a small j frame revol revolver pocket carries nicely okay so you you may want to definitely have now in that situation in the situation of a pocket-sized revolver and you only have five rounds you may indeed run out of ammo in the fight hopefully not hopefully five rounds is still enough to get it done okay I would suggest that you need a lot of practice if you don't think that you can defend yourself with five rounds I would say you need a lot of practice not just practice shooting but practicing tactics practicing avoidance de-escalation de escaping the area those are more important avoidance de-escalation and escaping the area those are more important than actually having to shoot somebody in my opinion you want to try to avoid the situation and probably 90 percent of the time that's going to get you out of trouble your gun is your absolute last resort so be able to win the fight with the five rounds that you have in your pocket carry revolver but this is a great question about carrying a spare magazine, Alan. Thank you very much for calling it in. Once again, folks, that number, 210-646-1727. Uh, keep them coming. I like getting this kind of feedback from listeners, and I like to talk about it. I like to keep my listeners engaged. This show is for you, the listener. It's not for me. It's for you. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you something. I've mentioned this before. I learned just as much doing this podcast as you do listening to it trust me okay time to shift gears revisiting my glock 34 competition pistol i've been competing with a glock 34 for a long time i kind of got away from it went back to a uh, glock 19 sometimes my mmp 2.0 compact and uh which and I, I when it comes to competing with a compact gun i switch between the glock 19 and the mmp 2.0 compact and uh probably glock 19 more often my third generation glock 19 that i've got nicely modified but that puts me in a different division in competition back to the glock 34 now locally here in san antonio we have aasa competition which is American Action Shooting Association. I've learned that across the country there are other shooting competitions that are similar set up to the way AASA is. One thing I like about it is we can load our magazines to full capacity. 
full capacity the way we carry, right? We carry magazines with full capacity. Would you agree? I hope you do. I hope I hope when you carry your gun, you're you're loading the magazine to full capacity. So why not compete that way too? But back to the Glock 34. So it's a third generation Glock 34. And I've made some modifications to it, and I'm going to talk to you about what they are and how they help me, and I have not compromised the reliability. One of the problems when people start modifying guns, any gun, whether it's um, whether it's a high-end striker fire, whether it's a Glock, whether it's a, a 1911, whatever, the more modifications they make to it, even a revolver, the more modifications they make to it, sometimes they compromise reliability. Reliability is of number one importance. I shot a match a couple weeks ago. I was horrible. Just absolutely horrible. Because I had some significant malfunctions that were ammunition related. So ammunition is very important. Quality ammunition that's not going to jam up your gun. Uh, but those malfunctions really threw me off. And I had some mental challenges with getting through that entire match. Because it messes with your mind. But anyway, my Glock 34, I have left the extended magazine release that comes with the gun. I've left that on. Again, this is a competition pistol. I wouldn't use this type of magazine release for concealed carry because it sticks out too far from the frame. I've also left the extended slide release that comes with the Glock 34. I've left that on it. Because here's a funny thing. With a Glock 19, I cannot put the Glock factory extended slide release because I push it up during recoil and I end up locking my slide open when I don't want to but that does not happen with the Glock 34 um, slightly different shape to the gun slightly different way that my hand sits on the Glock 34 um, I don't do that I don't do that I don't accidentally push the slide release or slide stop lever with a Glock 34 so I left that on there. I changed out the guide rod to a little bit heavier stainless steel guide rod. Now I know in some competition leagues I have to go back to running the stock uh, guide rod, recoil spring assembly, some people call it that, to stay legal. But uh, in AASA and uh, in USPSA I'm pretty sure that the um, stainless guide rod is legal. And here's one thing to remember, unless you're going to shoot a state or a national match competition, they don't usually check your gear, okay? They're not normally doing a gear check at a local match. So, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and admit this. Sometimes I kind of push the end of the rules a little bit uh, at the local matches. Uh, I've changed out, speaking of the uh, recoil spring, the, the stainless steel recoil spring guide rod, I've also lightened the recoil sp spring down to 13 pounds. Uh, now, the reason I do that is because some of the reloads that I shoot are a little bit underpowered compared to a factory uh, load, factory ammunition. So, I get less muzzle flip, a little bit less recoil, a little bit easier to control the gun when I'm using the lighter loads and the lighter recoil spring. But also, it gives me better reliability with lighter loads because lighter loads could jam up the gun if I'm using the stock recoil spring assembly uh, because it's made for hotter loads, so it takes more force. 
so now it takes less force because I have a lighter recoil spring. I have also installed, and this you can get a lot of these for third gen Glocks, and it's one of the reasons why my Glock 34, I've, I've kept my third generation Glock 34 because there's so much that can be done to it. There's so many add-ons that can be done for the third generation Glocks. If you shoot a Glock, now if you don't shoot a Glock, then ignore what I'm, what I'm about to say. But if you shoot a Glock, man, the third generations for competition, I still think are the best because you can modify them in so many different ways. So many different aftermarket parts available for the third gens that are not available for the fifth gens, for example. Uh, even some of the fourth generation Glocks, there's some things for thirds that are third G gens that are not available for fourth gens. Now I've left the trigger alone. I think the trigger on a uh, uh, Glock 34 is is fine. I, I there's I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And so I'm I'm shooting the stock Glock 34 trigger. I might maybe. Put in a three and a half. I mean, a a different three and a half pound connector. It comes with a three and a half pound Glock. Glock, I think, eventually changed the name to four and a half pound. Now I haven't measured it, but the the actual pull is probably about a four pound trigger press. It's fine for me. It's good enough for me. Maybe I might change out the connector at some point, maybe, or put a flat face trigger in it, but. Uh, my hands seem to just, uh, I'm one of those rare individuals where my hand seems to fit a third generation Glock pretty well. I have long fingers and medium to large size hands and it just, it, it fits, this gun fits me. Uh, my hand fits it, it fits me and it's, it's a good combination for me. Uh, I have put in a extended takedown lever, and the only reason I, I did that is it makes it easier to field strip the gun to clean it. Because, yes, once in a while, maybe twice a year, I clean my Glocks. <laughs> uh, actually, probably more than twice a year. But it is nice to have the extended takedown lever because it just makes field stripping so much easier. And some good fiber optic sights with a, a flat black rear sight, with a few serrations in it, but completely black rear sight with a with either a red or a green front fiber optic sight. Uh, because I still shoot my Glock 34 in the iron sighted division. Now I'm considering when the budget allows getting an optics ready slide and shooting my uh, Glock 34. In the optics carry uh, division, uh, or whatever division that's going to put me in, a Glock 34 with, with a red dot on it, at AASA, it's going to put me in the optics division. So I'm considering that. I may do that. But right now, I'm still old-fashioned and shooting iron sights because I still can shoot those better right now than a red dot. And that's about it. The other thing, oh, there's one last thing, a grip plug. I like to plug up that space in the back of the grip on competition guns only. I don't like to do that on a carry gun because on a carry gun, it gives me extra space to put my thumb in there to rip the magazine out. Uh, however, uh, I like to use also Vickers, Larry Vickers uh, base pads for my magazines to make it even easier to rip the magazine out in a malfunction. But anyway, I, I like to put a grip plug in for my competition pistols because it does kind of give me a little ramp to make it a little bit easier to, to load or, or to reload, okay? Uh, and that's about it.
And unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't go out and shoot as much as I want to because of the cost of ammo. But that's that's what I wanted to talk about revisiting my my competition gun. I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I have had some people that have actually asked me. Now, the guns I use in competition are this uh, third gen Glock 34 that I just told you about, a nicely modified third gen Glock 19, and I've talked about that. You can go back to you can go to my Facebook page and see pictures of that Handgun World on Facebook or Bob Main on Facebook. You can see pictures of that. You can go back and uh, listen to some older episodes. And I may do a review of that again and revisit my, maybe even next week, I might revisit my third gen Glock 19 and tell you what I've done to it because I've done a lot to it. And uh, But I have not sacrificed reliability. It's been an ultra-reliable gun, uh, and it's just magnificent to shoot. And I guess I'd be remiss if I uh, if I didn't talk about holsters. Now, when I compete with my Glock 34, I just use a concealment solutions outside the waistband Cobra. Uh, nothing else. That's that's all I use because that's what I that's what I carry. And also, it's a fast draw. That that holster gives me a fast draw, a real fast draw, because it's outside outside the waistband and it's Kydex and it's fast and I can adjust it for just the right amount of um, of uh, tension and stuff like that. So I I love to use those holsters. Uh, sometimes when I compete with my M&P uh, 2.0, Jason at Concealment Solutions has made a real nice competition holster for that one too. So I use my M&P con uh, Concealment Solutions competition holster. Uh, back in the day, I used a real nice Safari Land holster, and I still have that 5186 or something like that. Safari Land 5186. I'm not even sure if Safari Land makes that holster anymore but it's fantastic i'll never i'll never get rid of that holster or, or give it away because it's awesome and so every once in a while i'll try competing with that but but the concealment solutions outside the waistband cobras are um are excellent uh just i can't say enough good things about them and i don't say that just because they're my sponsor you know i used concealment solutions holsters for three years before i signed them up as a sponsor okay that's Pretty much all I wanted to say in this episode, folks. Um, keep the voicemails coming. And uh, the feedback, the emails. I do read all emails, by the way. Sometimes I don't get a chance to respond quickly, but I do read them. As you know, this is this is just a side hustle for me. My full-time job is, is uh, I'm one of those pesky outside salespeople <laughs> that I've done uh, very successfully for 32 years now. And I love it. I... Uh, I can't see myself or even wanting to do another full-time job other than what I do because I love it. I've been trained for selling. I've loved it selling since I was about 25 or 26 years old. I've had some great instruction. Uh, just like shooting, you got to have great instruction to master your profession. You have to have good teaching and good training. Uh, it's the same thing with shooting. But I, so sometimes I get busy, but I will, I do read all your emails and oftentimes I will, I'll probably respond to 90% of the emails. Sometimes I even talk about them on this podcast. So please keep those coming. Handgunworld at gmail.com. I also have a MeWe account, by the way, which is a good alternative to Facebook and uh, not quite uh, as much censor, censorship going on over there. So you can find me at Handgunworld over there at MeWe as well. Okay, thanks for listening. This is Bob Main. You've just listened to another episode of the Handgun World podcast. 
a practical show done by a practical guy. Remember, shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Okay, before I completely sign off, uh, I do want to mention that this is a listener-supported show 90% of the time. So for those of you who are not yet members of the Shooters Club, please get signed up. ShootersClubMembers.com. ShootersClubMembers.com. That contains over 85 videos that Ben Branham at the Modern Self-Protection and I have put together over the years. A lot of live footages, a lot of live footage from our training classes and for as little as eight dollars a month or only 75 dollars a year you can become a member of the shooters club and go to shootersclubmembers.com a link will be in the show notes i have a patreon page for as little as three dollars a month you can take advantage of some of the patreon benefits go to my patreon page handgunworld dot excuse me patreon.com slash handgunworld uh, my amazon store is still up alive and well so check those out and um, if you've never left me a review like if you use apple podcasts or itunes or whatever podcast catcher that you use if you've never left me a review that's completely free and that helps me spread the word on this show so i'd appreciate that as well thank you 